Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. Thank you so much for deciding to spend a small part of your day with myself and my special guest today, Maureen Scanlon. She is a life coach. She is also an award-winning author, relationship expert, professional speaker, and podcast host. She has written two award-winning books, one is titled, My Dog is More Enlightened Than I Am, and her second book is titled, My Dog is My Relationship Coach, and both have received multiple awards. Now, folks, I was so excited when I connected with this young lady because, first off, she seems like a beautiful person, and second off, her books have dogs in them, and I went, well, that's all, what we're all about. So, <laughs> Maureen, welcome, welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Hello, Kim. Hello, listeners. I'm so happy to be here with you. And yes, we are about the dogs. Absolutely. So you've got two books. I want to hop on the books first. You've got two books. First one was called My Dog is More Enlightened Than I Am. Share a little bit about the journey of how that, that book came to be. First off, I love the title. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, it's pretty true and it's a grabber, isn't it? Because yes, every person that hears the title goes, well, yeah. You know, like, thanks, Captain Obvious. Um, <laughs> we know this. <laughs> and and I figured, keep it simple, stupid. Just, you know, let's just be honest. They are more enlightened. But the, the way that it came about was I come from a background of domestic violence and abuse and a lot of very dysfunctional, toxic relationships, realizing that I grew up very uh, with a very codependent mindset. And so for years half of my life, I was just going from these relationships to relationships and they were not healthy for me. They took a toll on my, uh, health. I ended up with cancer and I was walking with a cane when I was 38 years old and I was just in misery. And so finally, after the last toxic relationship, and I just had to take this really ugh, terrible soul journey where it was the dark work. We all have to do that sometimes and go, dang, what is going on here? And I realized it was just this introspection, man, it's you, you're the common denominator. So I started just staying home, journaling, determined not to date, no relationships. I didn't have a big support system. So it was really me, me and me and my dogs. And so I just realized one night I'm kind of boohooing and feeling bad for myself. And my dog Jade is next to me and my dog Brody is on the floor and she's licking my tears and hugging and snuggling. And it just was this aha moment that they get me. They love me unconditionally. And I asked myself, why don't I love me unconditionally? And so that book just took off. It was eight weeks from start to publish. Wow. Yeah. Tell me that stuff didn't have to come out. That garbage had to come out. Yeah. You were on fire. Yes. And, and it was, it really, when you read the book, Kim, I mean, it's literally this conversation. It's, it's just me saying, Hey, this is what happened. And Hey, the dogs are spontaneous. They do what they want. They chase their tail all of a sudden, or, you know, Hey, when they're tired, they lay down. It's self-care. It's, it's very simple. Just tips to say, yeah, do what they do and you'll live a happier life. <laughs> I have often said, I like most days, I like dogs better than I like people. 
Yes. I have a dog boutique online and e-commerce business. And I have shirts that say, uh, I like my dog and like two other people. (laughs) You know, and that's really, I have shirts on there. So go get a shirt. You need a shirt for sure. I'll have to send one to you, but yeah, that's, it's very true. And they're not, what's interesting is dogs aren't verbal. How do we get so much love and you can see they're happy. You can see they're angry. You can see they're scared with not a single word to be said. And yet humans think they have to say 150,000 words per day to get their feelings and thoughts across. Nah, look at the dogs. They don't have to say a word and you know what they're feeling. Right. And in your case, you can read their minds. Yeah. Yes, actually I can. <laughs> yes. If anybody's listened to any of my shows or anything like that, they've heard me share stories about my old boy Digger uh, in the in past years, who has since passed on now. But boy, was he uh, same thing like you're just talking about with your dogs, you know. And and I was in a, a dark place several times throughout his 14 years with me. He was always the rock. It seemed like he was always there, and a lot of times he was there before I realized I needed him. So he was very, very intuitive and very, very in tune with my emotions. And I think body language and whatever it is that he felt emanating from me, he would come up and, you know, bring me back and be like, remind me, Hey, it's, it's nice outside. Mom, let's go. Let's go sit outside. Can we not, can we not stay here on the living room floor crying anymore? Can we go outside? Yeah. Like an accountability partner. And I think if we, if we narrow down Kim, why we connect with dogs more than we do people, I'm going to say this. And I say this through all my podcasts and all my messages. There is two things that humans want acceptance and validation. And what do dogs do? They accept you. They don't care what you look like, whether you have makeup on, if you didn't take a shower, they don't care what your clothes look like. They accept your moods, you're angry, you're busy, you go on vacations, and they validate us. I'm sad. I want to sit on the couch. Oh, let me validate you. I'll snuggle with you. Let me go out and and walk and get some exercise. Oh, let me go with you and we'll run around. There's nothing for them to fix. And their whole existence is accepting you and validating you with unconditional love and no judgment. That's why we love them. Yeah, you can take a look at anything in the animal kingdom anything science is even now taking a bit more closer look at certain animals of how they swim how they fly and they're designing planes and other things for the military and things like that by watching and seeing how animals are built certain birds are built how they how they are in flight it's amazing. It's very, very interesting. If anyone ever looks into it, and I suggest you should, because we can learn so much from animals. Oh. And I, another thing is patience and kindness. That's all animals have. Yeah. Love, patience, yeah. and kindness. They exude it. It's the humans. It's the humans that turn animals mean. There is no mean. There are no mean animals. That is correct. There's, there's just bad humans. And think of the inclusivity that animals have, the animal kingdom has. I, I even write, you know, in my book, you know, some examples. You always see when there's an abandoned baby of one species that another 
species will take that baby in. You know, I remember what comes to mind is the tiger that lost all of her babies and they had the little pigs nursing with the little tiger jackets on, you know, it's like a tiger should be eating a pig. And that's the beauty of, and, and, and I don't, we can defy science in a lot of ways where they don't think animals feel, I will completely disagree 1 million percent. And I think they have empathy. I think they have a level of empathy that our scientists can't even measure or understand so the scientists just say oh they don't have feelings yes they freaking yes, do they do and any any person honestly i mean seriously goodness gracious any person that says they don't you you've obviously not had an animal in your life yeah but even watching it on on tv you watch a nature show and you'll see you know different species packs you know, um, meerkats, they'll, they'll take in each other's babies, uh, monkeys, chimpanzees, you know, elephants. Yes. Yes. They're, they're groups that take care of them. The wolves, they put the the strong ones, they put one in the front and one in the back, you know, and they love and protection and caring that they show for one another. Yeah. I don't think we can understand that. I've been saying it for years. Humans could learn a lot and they could be a lot better people if they'd pay closer attention to animals in a kind way, in a kind way. Right. Right. We're killing each other off. And meanwhile, the animal kingdom is protecting one another and taking care of each other. Something went wrong. Something Something went horribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right. Wow. That could be a whole nother discussion. (laughs) So let's get back to dogs because that's pleasant. This is not a true crime podcast, Maureen. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> so your first book, and now, yeah, let's let's hop back. Let's just circle back, shall we? Sure. Your first book. <laughs> you said that you said that they get me, and why didn't you get yourself? And that was kind of like the impetus that that got you thinking about getting this first book put together. That one was just about figuring out where I belonged and what was my purpose. I mean, that really, before I could even tackle why I picked the people I picked, why my picker was broken for so many years, you know, right? Before before I could even think about the whole dating and, and all that debacle that I had done, I had to get myself right. And And really the thing for me was just, unlearning. And that's the thing about self-help guys. That's interesting is people think I need to learn all these new things. No, you don't. You need to unlearn all those things that you have learned that you've inserted as your values, your morals, and your beliefs that may not be. So question everything, question those beliefs and say, does this still fit who I am today? That was when I realized, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm raised in this household with these beliefs and I've kept them for this long. And for me, having that codependent behavior was always wanting to please and, and wanting my parents to validate me. And my worth was what everyone said I was. That's what the, the deficit was. You cannot externally get validated enough to validate who you really are, to have the self-worth. And what I realized was different, Kim, was we talk about, I needed self-confidence. No, there's three things that you need and they need to be all in alignment. When I coach my clients, I say, these three things need to be aligned. Self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-image. 
And a lot of people think, oh, that's the same thing. No, it is not. Self-confidence is the bravery I, I can face something that I'm afraid of. In other words, let fear bounce. I need to face these fears. I need to have this confidence that I can go out into the world and do these things that I'm purposed to do. Self-esteem is how do I feel about myself? Do I believe in myself enough to go out and do these things that ca- that will give me self-confidence? And last, self-image. And I think that's the one we struggle with the most because of social media, comparing ourselves to others, wanting to appear a certain way, filters, um, you know, revering idols and celebrities. The self-image is you have to look at yourself and say, how do I present myself to the world? And this is not about physical attractiveness. This is when someone meets me, do I resonate characteristics and integrity? And am I looked at as a person that they got something from me before they walked away? And I think everybody mistakes self-image with my body image, my, my appearance. I'm getting older. Ageism as women 50 and over. Um, I wrinkles and gray hair. We associate people will like me if I'm attractive on the outside and we forget it's about how attractive you are on the inside. Right. Right. And as you're talking about that, like how attractive, and when you look in the mirror, you know, what I often say to people, well, at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, do you see someone with a bunch of letters at the end of your name or awards hanging on the wall? Are you Or do you see someone who tried to make the world a better place today? That's it. My whole thing this year is tossing nuggets of hope out into the world. Since a year ago this month, that word came to me so strong. I saw it everywhere. I heard it everywhere. I read it everywhere. Hope, 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 everywhere. So I've been tossing hope nuggets out into the world. Literally, I went and bought myself little stones that have the word hope on them. And I hand them out to strangers when I feel very strongly, oh, that person needs one. That's not hard to give someone hope. For you. For you. We have to. Yes, for me personally. But why is it so, why is it seemingly so hard in general for people to just be kind? Because, and I'm going to get deep here for a quick second. I know we don't have that that long to go into this, but I'm going to say this without contrast, you need people to teach you and test you without contrast. If you didn't have sad, you wouldn't know what happy was. If you didn't have anger, you didn't know, you wouldn't know what peace is. You have to have the contrast to appreciate the experience, right? That's the difference. We think Think of the city of Atlantis. Everything was just la, 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 and it went away, right? This, whether it's mythical or proven that there was a city of Atlantis. I, in my Pollyanna view, would love an Atlantis, but that's who I am. And maybe that's because maybe I've gone through a lot more lives that I'm finally at the point where I'm like, I'm just tired of all this. Let's just, come on now, let's just be nice. And I think you are too. And I think we've used the catchphrase empaths. And I think another word for empaths is just people who are just tired of the contrast. 
But you have to understand these people that give us this contrast, they help us to have more gratitude for what we do have and for the things that we want. And we appreciate it's how we grow. It's how we expand and how we learn. And it's not always pleasant, but I think it's necessary. You know what though? That little stone that you have there, it's a little stone listeners. If it's, this is just on audio, it's a little stone. It's black. It's shiny. It's got the word hope on it. You know what that is? And this is what I say, be the pebble that starts the ripple in the lake. That's the pebble that starts the ripple in the lake, right? Well, yes. And you're channeling me because (laughs) (laughs) I I know we are hilarious. (laughs) I'm serious because I, I say a lot. There's a reason I got these as pebbles because before I had them, I said, I just want to be a pebble tosser. Because when it hits that water and those ripples gently go, they're going to go land on the destination, the other side of the lake or pond or whatever it is, they're going to hit that embankment exactly where they're they're meant to hit. And it's going to land on exactly who it's meant to land on. And hopefully that on the other end is accepting and open to it. I've been saying for a long, long time, I'm just a pebble tosser. So there's a reason why I specifically got stones and that I put the word hope on them. And I, you know, I'll laugh and say, I just want to walk around and chuck, chuck nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to throw stones and I'm not in a glass house. (laughs) But everybody can do something like that. Absolutely. And, and that on the same token of, you know, my, my life's purpose or work is the starfish story. Have you heard the starfish story? Yes, but please share it. That's, that's my whole life's work. And it's exactly like the pebble throwing because you're the pebble thrower and I'm the starfish thrower. So the starfish story is a bunch of starfish had washed up onto the shore and the sun was shining down and they're going to dry up on the beach and they will die. So a little boy's walking down the beach and there's thousands of these starfish and he's throwing these starfish back into the ocean. And an old man walks up to him and says, what are you doing, little boy? And the little boy said, well, they need to get back into the ocean or they'll die. The old man says, there's thousands of them. You're not going to make a difference. And the little boy bends over, picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean, looks at the old man and says, but it made a difference to that one. And that my friends is why I do what I do because you can change one person's life and it can multiply just like cells of creating a baby. And it'll be, you know, you don't know, you don't know my one person's life that I change in a coaching or on a podcast can end up being 20,000, 30,000, a million people because it carried, because light carries right darkness doesn't carry only light carries and i just think there was an old movie by mel brooks i don't know if you ever saw it and i think it was like 95 or 97 it was so great people died and then they went to heaven and then what they did was they made you go to a room where they had a judge and they showed you moments out of your life where you made a difference or what you did um It was the coolest thing. And I guess that's in my mind every day is, would this be on my reel? Would this be on my movie? If they had me in a room judging what my life was, what's going to be on my reel when I had impatience, 
when I was in a hurry and I was hustling for money? Or are they going to have these highlight reels of my life where I helped someone out? I was kind to someone. I saw an, an elderly person struggling with a grocery bag and I helped them take it to their car. That's the starfish story. That's the pebble throwing story. Just make a difference. You don't know how big of a difference it will make in the world. Just make it because it feels good to give. It does. And it, a lot of times the giver gets much more out of it than the recipient. I think every time you're sharing something that's just, you know, that's just a beautiful thing. I was trying not to laugh out loud when you were saying a few things, because I'm thinking, there she goes. She's channeling me again. And you said changing one person's world or one starfish's world. However, I, I had someone years ago in a negative tone say, why do you think you have to be so good all the time? You can't change the world. Mm. And this was when this was said to me by someone close to me. And my first thought was, well, you're a bleepity bleep. And then my second thought was, and I shared out loud with this person, I said, I never said I wanted to change the world, but if I can make a difference in one person's world, that's huge. There's so many different ways to look at that, but it's really actually kind of simple. Like you were just saying, you, you show kindness or share kindness with someone they're going to know what that feels like or remember what that feels like. It might be their aha moment. And then they in turn are going to do that with someone else. And it's just, you know, that ripple effect, of course. And so in the end, yeah, you're changing a whole bunch of worlds. You know what my response would be to someone saying that? Go ahead, say it to me. Go ahead, Kim, say it to me. Why do you always have to be so good? You think you can change the world. Why not? That's my answer. Yeah. Why not? Two words. What do you, how do you come back from that? You can't tell me why I can't change the world. You can't come back and say, I'm not making a difference. That just throws it right back on you person who's being very defensive or there's something in you that needs healed because you're offended that I'm doing something good. Right. So what is it that you need to work on? What is it that, and I don't like the catchphrase trigger, but what is it that's, that's me being good and trying to make a difference is stirring something up in you that you don't like. There's, that's not me. That's not on me. And that is how we need to go out into the world is stop attacking people back. Stop getting defensive. I say, you don't complain. Don't explain. I don't have to explain myself to anyone. I know what I'm doing and why I'm here. So if anyone has a problem with that, it's them, it's their projection. And those are my responses. Why not? Why can't I? Have you tried? Would nope, you yeah, like to completely try? understand that? And that was at a point prior to my, my own self introspection and changing how I lived my life. Yeah. That was just one. That was just one of the little things that tipped the scale. You know? well, it's tough when they're family. And I'm going to say this when people are related to us, first of all, your relatives are not necessarily people that you owe anything to, okay? They were put into your life to guide you, 
to share experiences with you, but we seem to think if you are blood related to me, you can treat me any way you want to. You can say what you want. You can, you know, and I still have to stay loyal. I call bullshit. Sorry for my cussing, but I call BS on that. And, and here's the other thing, time. We think, well, they've been my friend for 10 years or we've been friends for 30 years. I can't walk away now. I have so much invested. And this is something I talk about in, in my preparation for my TED talk is you cannot respect and love yourself and surround yourself with toxic people who do not respect and love you. Bottom line, there's no way for you to say, I'm in this group of people who bring me down, but I really love and respect myself. No, you don't. No, you don't. You are committed to thinking the belief that was instilled that blood is thicker than water. And you owe me because I've put time into you in a friendship or I raised you or I created you or I've been there for you. There's a lot of guilt giving out there. And when we get strong enough and brave enough to say, you know what? You were in my life for a time. That contract has ended. And now I need to make space for other people who are where I am, where my vibration is, where I see myself, where my values, beliefs have evolved to. I need to now surround myself with a new crowd. You don't stay at a concert for 20 years. You see a concert, you leave that crowd and you go to a basketball game or a football game. So think of your people in your life as the same thing. There, there is a season for everyone. And if they're sold there's, there's nothing wrong with shrinking your circle. Correct. There's nothing Correct. wrong with that. And I, and that, that is very, very hard for a lot of people. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I completely understand that. Been there myself. And I see a lot of other people in the same situation. It's very hard to, and also I've noticed it takes time to reach that point. And most people I know I'm in my mid fifties. Then I've noticed that it was right before I turned 50, my mindset changed a lot on many, many things on how I live life and view life and my circle shrank. And at first it kind of hurt. And then I was like, no, you know what? This is okay. Because then I had different people coming in that were providing light when it was needed. You know, so there's nothing, it's not selfish. It's not selfish. And if anybody out there listening is, you know, thinking that it might be, or you're in that spot, just know it might be a bumpy road, but it is okay if your circle shrinks, no matter who it is, it is okay. That's right. You so have to evaluate. I think you need to evaluate. And I call it in the book, cleaning out the friendship closet. And you got to clean out the friendship closet. If you haven't used it in a year, in other words, if it hasn't been a two-way street, in many months and you know you call this person calls and all they do is talk about themselves 99 percent of the time and you don't get a word in hmm might be time to clean out the friendship closet and go shopping because the question we need to ask is does this relationship still serve me and that is not selfish it says my circle needs to uplift me and encourage me the way that i uplift and encourage my circle and my people if I have people in there that are holding me back, I used to, and in the relationships, you know, arena dating and, and romance and long-term relationships, even marriage, 
I always say, if you're with someone who's not treating you unconditionally and making you the best person you can absolutely be, you're not, if you're not your best person with this person, then get out of their husband or wife's way. Does that make sense? So if you're dating someone and they're not a good fit for you, get out of the next person's way who will be a good fit for them. Get out of their husband's way. The one that should be there for that girl or the wife that should be for their, there for that man. And we tend to hold on to these things with the potential of what someone could be and not the reality of what they are. Friendship, family, or dating. Yes. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. And we're going to we're going to tie it up right there because we've run out of time. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised we went that long. <laughs> we never even got to talk about your second book. Oh my goodness. So, well, and I say this to a lot of my guests because we always <laughs> seem to go over time. That's why I do an hour on my podcast. Yeah. I know I can't, yeah. I can't contain myself to 30 minutes for crying out loud. <laughs> We'll say T TBC to be continued. That's right. That's right. We'll just have to have you on again. That's right. To be continued. That, so. That's correct. We'll continue it when you're on my podcast. That'll yeah, be great. There we go. Yeah, there we go. So, okay, quickly name, let folks know where they can find you in the name of your podcast and all of that. Absolutely. So lifecoachmaureen.com. You'll see everything about me. You can buy my books there. We're on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those fun places, outskirts, press directly. And, uh, my podcast, I never knew, but my dog did podcast on Apple and all platforms that you could possibly see or hear a podcast. And I'm going to have your lovely host here on, so you can catch us, uh, going back and forth again, you get a double whammy on both podcasts. So subscribe, give her five-star reviews, share it with your friends. And yeah, we're just going to we have some fun stuff to collaborate on going in the future too. We can't wait to share with you when it all comes to be. We just had a brainstorm and we'll see where this takes us. I'm telling you, we're soul sisters. That yep. Just <laughs> yep. Yep. It's possible. Well, we met in this, just met in this life. You don't That's know how many all, times we've you know, met. There you go. And what you're, you're West coast, right? I am Arizona. Yeah. So West coast and East coast. There we go. We, we got it covered. We got the country covered. Now we got all kinds of stuff that we can do. <laughs> we, we do. We've got the country covered. We'll, you know, <laughs> we'll just spread the light to the middle. That's so right. yeah, we're just going to chuck nuggets of hope and light and all kinds of stuff. And we'll, we'll, we got, we got the country covered, but you that know, is correct. Help. So all of you out there, <laughs> please, please toss your own little nuggets of light out there. If you got anything else out of today's conversation, toss those little nuggets of light out there, folks. Um, Maureen, again, thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. This has been a true pleasure. Yes, thank you. I'm honored and I'm just so thrilled that I found my soul sister in Pennsylvania. It's been a, you know, I mean, who knew? I know, who knew? All right, everybody, thanks for listening in and spending a part of your day with myself and Maureen. And until next time, folks, I am Kim Langling, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed.